What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we are launching the 2023 Seahawks season. We're recording this on the eve of Seahawks training camp. And I say we're because not only is Griff here, but Ty is back from I'm his back, uh, baby. It's not sabbatical, but he's been banished to covering the Mariners. But he's back right. to cover the best t- sports team in Seattle. Although the Kraken did kind of well, didn't yeah, they? Let's, let's go Kraken. That's uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. Release the Kraken. Yeah. But Ty, what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, thoroughly depressed by the last four months of baseball. Very excited to talk about a sport other than baseball. So. Thank you for that. Oh, no. Griff? Uh, doing fine. A little, little pensive about the front seven, but uh, excited, oh. about, excited about the potential of back seven, if at full health. Um, Griff, please. I, I, can't, I can't deal with more heartbreak. Please, please cope. L- give me something l- to cope with. Listen, listen, I can cope through anything. So Okay. Well, Pensive, interesting. So before we deal with training camp, there's notable Seahawks news. So firstly, they signed second round pick Zach Charbonnet, and which was big because they hadn't done that. And then I th- they did a bit of drop the churn on the back end, but the notable addition was nose tackle Roderick Perry the second, who appeared in two games for the Cleveland Browns last year. He's a HBCU uh, product um, and also spent, I think, one year at Illinois. So he's he's played some uh, Power 5 football and is a big guy. He's over 300 pounds. So if that's something to be pensive about with the D-line. But Seattle still hasn't signed first-round pick Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I'm sure they will because camp starts tomorrow and they're probably hashing that out. He's a fifth overall selection and... Some stuff happened with guaranteed money this year, like guys getting more, didn't it? But uh, are either of you concerned about this? Nah, not really. No. Also, no. also they've used him in like promotional stuff, like with the throwbacks, which we're probably also right. going to talk about on here. So, yeah. No, he hasn't I, been on a quad bike. No, no, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good for now. We'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe there's something that that gives me pause in the next couple of days. But for now, I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah, and it would be kind of wild for him to like take the field without signing the the contract. But yeah. Anyway, so what that enabled Seattle, uh, well, why Seattle was able to do these moves is because Uchenna uh, Nwosu was re-signed. So this was reported by Adam Schefter, a three-year extension worth up to fifty-nine million dollars. That includes $32 million guaranteed. Obviously, that is largely reported via the agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Um, Brad Spielberger at Pro Football Focus said, per a league source, that figure includes Nuosu's $8 million in 2023 cash, which was already on the books from the two-year deal Seattle signed them to uh, last offseason, um, plus $6 million in salary escalators. So that means the base value of the contract is about three years 45 million dollars which is pretty good uh he had 9.5 sacks last year he was really disruptive he was able to take shots in the scheme which is something Pete Carroll spoke about Griff are you are you pleased with this is this a no-brainer yeah yeah I'm glad they did it um because I don't you don't want to risk him hitting the open market he's a really good player he's exactly what you saw those numbers aren't fake they're very real probably had a career year on top of it um, don't see why he can't repeat it. Um, it just it's nice to have a pillar at defensive line. Like he's one of those along with Draymond Jones, just looking at terms of quality of play and you know the the cap construction for the next two, three, four years. So yeah, it's it's really good to have him locked down. And then that assurance makes things 
it makes it easier to make decisions with Daryl Taylor next offseason. Um, it will kind of crystallize what to make of the other three edges, Taylor, Maffei, Derek Hall, um, in terms of team building moving forward. So it's, it's a really good move. And yeah, it frees up some cap space in the interim too. You know the- yeah. Oh, Matty. Go, go on, Ty. We're, we're rusty. We're rusty, guys. Give Sorry, us a break. Bro. Give us a break. Uh, but no, $15 million a year, essentially, for a 26-year-old pass rusher is a steal in, uh, in today's NFL, especially with you know cap inflation and all that. So uh, getting out ahead of this early, especially you know in case he, t- he does take another step forward this year and entering in you know free agency next uh next spring coming off of that i mean he's, he would be assuredly more expensive than you got him for so this is uh this is a nice deal and I, you know you see a guy that's really just on the up right uh, everything is trending up for him so yeah trying to get out ahead of it is uh it's it's another you know john schneider masterclass. Mm-hmm. there we go and yeah. i said it enabled them to sign uh Charbonnet and uh, Roderick Perry. That's because Seattle had $7 million in cap space, but then the Nuosu extension freed up about $5 million extra. Uh, and this is a guy, like, he's not just a situational pass rusher. He's a genuine edge player on every down, every distance. Like, he played, I th- it was over 70% of uh, the defensive snaps, or 70% or more of the defensive snaps in 15 of his 17 regular season games which is like a lot of lot of snaps and 80% or more of the snaps in nine of his 17 games. So he doesn't come off the field that often. I actually think with the way Seattle's drafted, with Derek Cool coming in, uh, obviously Boye Mafia entering his second year, Daryl Taylor as well, they will be, probably will look to get that number down if they can. But Nwosu was such an impactful player for them on a bad defense, probably my defensive player, player of the year last year, the MVP of that unit, uh, struggling yeah. defense. But... That wasn't really Nwosu's fault. Um, and yeah, as I said, Pete Carroll spoke about guys who can play within the skit system, but beat blocks, make plays into the backfield, you know, take their opportunities and do it. And uh, Nwosu kind of has brings that to the table. He he has that as well. So in contrast to like the kind of rotation on the other side, Nwosu really established himself as the number one dude in Seattle. So this is kind of a savvy addition because... If he just waited this year out, I believe next year the outside linebacker market is very barren. Other than like if Nwosu had hit free agency, he could have been yeah. had a uh, you know queue of suitors, a line of suitors. So you guys don't queue, do you? But um, and we yeah. queue, we queue, we line up. You queue? I'm down to queue. Yeah. Okay. Right. Nice. Right. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's worth it, right? So. The the other news, so Seattle had a bit of cap space from that, and then speculation's gone rampant because Quandre Diggs, per Quandre Diggs himself, broke the news that he has restructured uh, his contract. So he's converted his 2023 salary into a signing bonus. So his uh, new base salary for 2023 is just over $1 million. Um it converts stuff into a signing bonus and then the other half becomes dead money in 2024. I think it's freed up $6.2 million in available cap space this year. So it now leaves Seattle with roughly 17-ish million dollars in cap space this year. And of course, earlier in the season, they restructured Tyler Lockett. So that with Diggs is about almost $12 million in, in uh, pushed into the future. So Seattle's restructuring guys to to push money into the future, but create scat space this year, obviously with Russell Wilson's deal still technically being on the books for this year. Um, mm-hmm. they, they've had to uh, navigate their way around that. But guys, Diggs is obviously a, a big player on this team and uh, the starting free safety but why why would they do this, Griff? You were feeling, feeling pensive. Why why would they see Mike's corresponding move? Uh, I mean, I think that they're trying to fit in one more veteran under the cap, and they probably. I mean, how much effective cap space do they have to work with right now? Probably seven, seven or eight. After they take care of, because they the, they have to pay Witherspoon. They probably like to keep a few million for emergency 
Um, practice then, squad as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah practice yeah. squad. So all that kind of adds up. But I think, you know, if they want to go get like Shelby Harris again, bring him back in for like what, three, three and a half, four million, they can do that now. Um, if not him, Akeem Hicks, ideally, you could get both. Um, um, or, or maybe one of the one of those two, and then a nose tackle that's left on the market who can just eat snaps. Maybe like uh, Ellis, um, forget his first name, but he's still out there. He was at the Giants last year. He he knows how to play the position. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- th- they need to make a move here to just r- raise the floor of this group because I mean, yeah, you can slap together an argument for maybe. Um, you know, like this player performs at his peak, that player performs at his peak, and they'd be okay. But you're you're, you're banking on the upper, you know, percentile outcomes when you, you know you'd you'd like to just have some assurance there. So Shelby Harris would boost your floor really highly. He'd have a positive domino effect. You could play Jaron Reed only as much as you need to, um, or as much as you want to, instead of as much as you need to. So, um, yeah. The, the, they just need to get a real player in there because there's just so many question marks. Um, so it's a lot of turnover. The the more exciting thing of, well, could they be trying to clear space to make room for a big-time player if they flip a second, third, or fourth rounder or combination therein? Someone like DeForest Buckner. But, uh, yeah, we'd love that, but I don't see that happening. You don't um, see makes... DeForest through the trees? Yeah. <laughs> It would make it would make a lot of sense. It would be, uh, my God, that would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But <laughs> my um, God, my God, my God, my God, God, DeForest Buckner. I mean, there is a rational, there is a rational argument for it. Mm. It's just not like rational, huh? Because you have history of stuff like this, Chris. Yeah, and yeah, it comes across as very here. irrational. Me, me, yeah. I just because I like to explore possibilities doesn't mean I'm being irrational. You dabble in rationality. L- l- yeah. l- let's say hypothetically. Mm-hmm. What if the Seattle Seahawks traded for Chris Jones? Ty, right, you're supposed l- to be the canary in that. the coal mine. You're There's not meant a, to be doing this. Just, saying, l- just, just. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just, you know. If no. we were to go there, though, should we list off some veterans that would be fun? If knowing that they'd have to take on. Yeah. Okay, like fifteen million dollar cap. We're just going for it, huh? Yeah, let's just full send what, what, it. What, what, what's the list of players? All right, well, Chris Jones, sure. DeForest Buckner, yeah, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Jonathan yeah. Allen, John Allen, Johnny. What about um? Would the Colts trade Grover Stewart? No, hmm. I feel like he's kind of in the area where it doesn't make sense to move on yeah he's him. too young right what was yeah, he isn't, young? He, isn't he like 27 28 yeah like... yeah oh, like and uh you know you know who i found out when i was looking at this list i found out that uh dj reader of the cincinnati bengals is in the last year of his deal but again that doesn't make sense and honestly as mu- as much fun as trade talk is i can't see like an obvious guy even Buckner, like, I guess Buckner is the mo- most obvious, right? But well, everyone we have to else, think about, like, why would they do that? Like, Yeah, you have to think about who's tradable contract-wise for the team that currently has the player. Absolutely. Like, the reason why I say Buckner is, one, well, he's good. But then secondly, the Colts can actually get out of that deal. Whereas you take anyone else that is good that is being paid, they're not, their contract isn't tradable. Yeah, we, so, yeah. we said about Buckner way early, didn't we? Like when we were being degenerates in March, I think we, yeah. we, you know, as soon as he, whatever that contract was, it was very clear to everyone that there's an out there if they wanted to take it. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't know what the Colts are doing with their defense. You know, uh, Buckner's 29. If you're ever going to, I mean, you're, you're reaching the point where there's diminishing returns on, well, what your return would be for Buckner if, if you're trying to trade him. Then at the same time, it's a buyer's market right now. So would they view it as even worth it to try to trade him? Because you may only get a third round pick for him. Whereas three years ago, a 29 year old might get a first round pick, you know. Right. Um, you know, and he's an elite defensive tackle. I mean, he's as good as you can be without being as good as Chris Jones. And Chris Jones is as good as you can be without being as good as Aaron Donald. Like there's Donald in a tier by himself, 
Jones in a tier by himself, and then you're getting into Quinnen Williams, Simmons, Buckner, Armstead, you know, whoever you want, Cam Hayward, you know. Um, and then there's a tier below that where you're getting into like Draymond Jones and and you know people. Yeah. But Gus Bradley three. parting with a five tech like Buckner is that really a thing? Yeah. Who is Shane Steichen? That's what I want to know. Right. Who is he? Yes. As a man. Yeah. So I think Buck Buckner's the most obvious, but even then, Griff. Um, then it's like. It's not like. Yeah. Why? But then yeah, why would they do it? Why would they do it? Is it is it just so they have the potential to do it? Like, and obviously they might want to be a bit more active when cut downs happen, and cut downs are probably going to be carnage because if you're not aware. August 29th, the rules changed. So the NFL is cutting uh, it in one go. So it's 90 into 53. There's no like incremental stages. It's just bang. So right. I imagine there'll be one or two names where there's a bit more interest. Did you mention Shelby Harris, Griff? Like that seems, yeah. again, it seems rather obvious, but like he, he seems to just be waiting. I'm sure he's had offers, but he just doesn't want to be part of this. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's waiting around for a reason. He's probably the best defensive lineman left on the market. Yeah. Um, I mean, Akeem Hicks is out there and Dominican Sue is still out there. And a lot of the vets, they just don't want to, they, they don't want to play and they don't want to um, partake in training camp, you know? Yeah. They just want to sit around till it's time to play for real, which I don't blame them. And I kind of wonder if he just, if this is where he wants to be, and they've had conversations, but Seattle's like, you know, we need to kind of wait this out to yeah. figure out all this stuff. So, yeah, because um, obviously the Nuosu deal is kind of a big part of it, and the Seahawks don't typically do extensions until around this time. So, they probably mm -hmm. knew that it was going to be July until, or maybe even August until they were able to do something. So, um, yeah, but also, you know, why would why would they do all this stuff? I don't know. Always compete. I guess. Yeah, and and when did they trade for Sheldon Richardson? It was like the week, the last week of August. So yeah, I, I don't think their timetable they're opposed to making a move at this time of year. They right. could. Um, when did they make the Jamal trade? That was it was today April, wasn't it? No, I th I think it was. I I saw some Jets writer getting very excited because oh, I think really? it was the three anniversary right, today or right. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that it was like around this time, around the start. Of, so, start so, of camp, so, so they're they're active around training camp and preseason. Yeah. So and they've, like, all, the, and they've also made like small deals, right? So maybe there's a guy out there that we're not really thinking of that's just kind of right. under the radar. Yeah. And, like, we, were, we were thinking about that too earlier. Um, in the DMs, like who's like a guy that is a decent player, not an all-star, mm -hmm. not a Pro Bowl player, but a mm -hmm. decent player that they could swing like a fifth-round pick for. But the thing is, like they'd have to be under contract because good team because teams don't trade away like decent players on a rookie contract. Yeah, you know, and like there is no like middle class at de at defensive tackle where it makes sense to like the the cost benefit isn't there. Either you're on a rookie contract or you're getting paid fifteen million dollars a year plus. You know, so <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I guess they're active around this period as well, is because it's probably when players start realizing I'm getting phased out here, or you know, a coach tells them, you know, what your playing time is going down this year, and then they're just like, or oh, we're not going to resign you, and hard conversations start happening, and guys yeah. are like, well, I'm I'm getting out of it. This is crap. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So to be decided, but. Uh, I mean, as, uh, someone in the chat's put Christian Wilkins. I, I looked at that as a name. I'm not sure why that would happen. I mean, Miami's um, going to pay him. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's that situation of why. I mean, I guess uh, they're not particularly cash strapped, are they? Like, I know it's the last year of his deal, but surely they'll they'll pay oh. him. Maybe there's a dispute over the. I don't think so, and like. I doubt they're paying Tua, so. Right. right. So, like, I don't think that they have to get prepared for that. So, um, yeah, Nathan also mentioned Vita Vea, but, like, he's under contract through, what, 2026? So that's probably a bit too complicated. And didn't, I, isn't he coming off a serious injury as well? I think so. But didn't he come back and yeah. play after that? I can't remember. 
can't remember what the timeline was on that. Um, I mean, like that makes sense from the standpoint of like bad team, right? It's kind of on its way out, but true. He's not. His deal's really hard to to get yeah. out of. Yeah. So can't imagine that that's possibility. Um, uh, actually, it, it's it's not that difficult. Mm. It's not that difficult. I, I I think it's just more like I don't like the idea as much as we talk about how they need more help at nose tackle i don't like the idea of investing that much in nose tackle right you know uh-huh. they, you yeah. just need to go about it the smart route they just didn't do that this year i don't yeah. know so if you work at SeaTac uh airport please do uh get in touch when you see the person that the seahawks are trading for and mm-hmm. uh there you go right perfect i just saw so- leo jones at SeaTac. What? Yeah, what would be the what would be the stupidest move they could do with this money? Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah, that would be quite funny. I mean, just not spending on defense. Well, Drift, Landry. That reminds me as well. I've got another question. Would you so say like how what how much is the most you'd have paid Puna Ford this year? Uh, the Seahawks probably not more than like six, mm-hmm. right? Six and, or seven, and like. I imagine they'd have offered him uh, money, right? He he signed for two years, twelve million dollars with the Bills. Did he? Sucks. Yeah. yeah so I that's think about I saw, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but they probably offered him like a one-year deal, and he was like, "Nah." Yeah, or maybe probably offered him, they probably yeah. offered him total bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because they didn't really have anything to offer him, I mean, I I am so confused by how they spent their money that they had left over after the love deal and the Draymond deal. Like it's baffling, honestly, you know, between Reed Bush Wagner, it's just such a odd. All of those players are, are replacement level. They're, they're, they're going to be looking for every opportunity they can to not play Bobby this year. They're going to hope Bush is just a special teamer. Well, Jer- well they can hope, but like, yeah, and, at a certain point, I mean, they're, they're basically banking on Adams being healthy, aren't they? They're banking on Adams being healthy, yeah. And then, and then, and then, Jerry, I mean, honestly, also, Love and Neil, I think, are pretty much the same equivalent players. Like, I like Love. Love is maybe a little more reliable. No, Love tack- is better. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we kind of overrated Neil. He's a good player. Solid I starter. 100% think that. He, he, he had a, so it, it's funny not to go on a tangent, but we talk about all these quote unquote busts with guys like Jamal and Brooks. Neil has like twice as many busts as they do. Oh and my God. I can, and I can still acknowledge that Neil's a good player with a cool skill set, but like he has as many assignment errors as the guys that people tend to hate, like all put together. Like, like you know especially what I about Neil? Food, I don't understand. In uh, in Munich, when uh, the Seahawks defense uh, peed down their legs, uh, yeah. Neil in the in the uh, locker room uh, was very very uh, vocal and accountable and speaking to the media. Um, and I thought he was an impressive locker room presence then. Mm. Oh, he was definitely a culture guy. Yeah. yeah, and and I think in a way that actually had like tangible carryover. But like, why go out of your way to pay Julian Love what? What they pay him six million, when Neil only no no Griff 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 Griff. It's just a weird trade off. Griff 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 Griff. Love is faster, is more of a nickel kind of skill set. He fits their scheme. They're running more. Dude, he's more of a better safety than anything. No, Neil's a better blitzer. Hell nah. Give that to Neil. You well, give well to okay. I think Neil might be a better run blitzer, but Love is a much better passing down weapon. Maybe he I gives you more it. of an. In, he gives you more of a Diggs, uh, Jamal against the pass hybrid. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it'll be fine. I like him again, but if him Diggs and Jamal would be great, Jamal can finally play the the linebacker that he's been memed to be that he isn't, but could be if he wanted to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's fine. If we just say it's dime, like in dime, there's six DBs. It's fine. Yeah. Um, because let's remember folks in 2020, the Seahawks had like the best play action pass defense in the league. And that was cause they had like 
four incredible hook players between Bobby, KJ, Brooks, and Jamal. He was a huge part of that. And so. they played uh, a lot of odd fronts, which meant the hook players could play very uh, casual against the run and be kept clean and have yeah. easier angles of drops and less run conflict. <laughs> and also Ken Norton Jr. was very good at um, moving his line to further remove conflict for the hook droppers. But that so was true. That was uh, three years ago now. So true. He did nothing wrong. Um, he did nothing wrong. No. Um, anyway, so... Anyway, uh, <laughs> what, let's, where are hey, it, let's let's U turn back. It's okay to leave yeah, on. Am I right? Call back. Who, who said back. no? Who, who said that was true, Maddie? That's wrong. It's not okay to move on. So, the Seahawks released throwback uniforms, and I was oh, nervous. Is that where we're at in the part of the podcast? Now? We're at the throwback section. We're talking merch, baby. That's right. We're we're not moving on. We're throwing it back. And we're, we're talking about throwback uniforms. And um, I thought Nike would mess them up, but they actually are really nice Nike. and almost. <laughs> Excuse me? Did you say Nike? Yes. Who Why says would you say Nike? Nike? Have you been is, to this? Is, is, is the, you a is sicko? This a Z is the ballot fiasco. Do you again? say Adidas or adidas adidas <laughs> okay so then you can say nike wait you did this no i did this right idaho see i i i can can we talk can about the bloody uniforms too. yeah That's the uniforms are nice they're back hooray yay hey they're bright blue like jersey. the blue to me looks That's way right. more vivid i don't know if it's the cameras and what i would say is Detailed analysis here. The Tennessee Titans throwbacks, which are messed up because they're not in Houston. Like, what's going on there? But anyway, they look too bright. Like, they don't look washed out enough. And I think it's modern colors, modern cameras, et cetera, et cetera. But the the Seahawks ones, I think, have benefited from the modern technology and look even better. And the website's very cool, how it looks like an old Microsoft thing. Uh, They're available to purchase if you want to give more of your money to the Seattle Seahawks organization. And... uh, (laughs) We don't get anything from that, so I don't know why we're plugging that, but they look great. That's cool. Maddie, and I love King going. Why would it... No, no free ads, Maddie. No free no, ads. What, no, but I did want to compliment uh the the throwback the the logo on the jersey. Obviously, on the this I'm a, a big NFL uh fashion guy, uh, but right. obviously the 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 logo usually is a 12 uh a flag for the for the twelves the the twelfth man which is no mm. longer the twelfth man because of the copyright but the twelves but on this jersey it is the the kingdom uh kind of logo which was developed by uh a uh, uh, lady called Grace who is the digital design coordinator for the Seahawks and I I just believe that is a very cool logo and it's cool that uh their work a year and a half ago uh, has been realized so. Good for them. Um, Gino Suarez just hit a a two run double. Uh-huh. Back. Back. That's, that's great. And and talking of Gino, Ty, are you have you purchased a Gino throwback jersey and given your money to the Seattle Seahawks organization? Uh, I have I have not yet. Uh, I'm actually leaning towards a, a JSN jersey myself personally. Really? Or, or Bobby? Or Bobby? No, maybe. no, you guys, you got to vote with your dollars. Spend all of your sports merchandiser money on the Mariners, so the owner will right. actually spend on Shohei Otani. Right, right, right. We got to, yeah, we got to fill the uh, Otani fund. Yeah, I have another thing to say about the jerseys, Griff. Actually, the, the, the throwback. It's a, it's a cool one. You'll actually be interested in this. Mm-hmm, so okay. they're throwing back to the 1990s, right? And this that 1992 Seahawks defense, um. Aaron Schatz of Wants of Football Outsiders, still the founder of Football Outsiders, despite what uh, appears to have gone on there. But um, they were the number three defense of 1992 by DVOA, but they they didn't uh, place in the all-time top 50 DVOA. But the offense, the Seahawks offense, was the worst ever measured by their stats. Love it. Like that defense was so good. Um, yeah, Seattle Mariners. I don't know eight. if you've ever watched the highlights, but that was uh, cool was that the year Cortez won? Yes, 
Nice. Rest that's in peace. Tez. That's Joe Nash. Right? That's. Yep. Good defense. 14 sacks. Damn. Yeah, hey, that's when Cortez was uh, defense player of the year. But anyway, there's your throwback stuff. Sorry, Griff. Didn't realize that would be so upsetting for you. No, it was really interesting. We, we Are you love, a progressive guy? We love capitalism. <gasps> yeah. Cool. Okay, so now to the meat, the meat of the podcast. As David says, Tez was godlike. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, wish, wish I had memories of him. Unfortunately, I don't. Yeah, five years before I was born. So no, I, I watched games that featured him, according to my parents, but I just don't remember him. I, you know, we you know who I do have vivid memories of though in a Seahawks uniform is uh, Julius Randall. Really? No, not Julius Randall. John <laughs> Randall. John I was like, Randall. <laughs> that's like no. an odd name. <laughs> like, did he do something? Um, no, that's a basketball player. I'm, uh, that, yeah, that is a basketball player. Yeah, for the like, did, yeah. did he have one. a tryout? <laughs> yeah, John John Randall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> David also points out Rufus Porter's on that team. Yeah, I think so because I the the games I watched, he's like slot blitz like a maniac quite a lot of the time. That NFL, the yeah. 90s NFL defenses are so cool. Like they're just they're yeah. playing like loaded boxes and they're slot blitzing and they're yeah. like hitting the crap out of quarterbacks taking ridiculous under center drops right. like i watched uh pete carroll's 49ers uh take out aikman like they just destroyed his knee like just amazing yeah, um love it <laughs> anyway uh real ball moving on that's right 2023 right. we've, we've time traveled we we talked a bit of baseball in there the, the mariners might be back so back so back. so back so um back. The training camp battles. Yes. So this training camp is really cool to me because Seattle has some kind of open spots and then some kind of well-stocked spots. But because of their draft assets, courtesy of Mr. Russell Wilson uh, and all of that went on there, they've really kind of got a lot of young talent in these positions as well, pushing the other the the other established veterans so uh left corner with the, uh, devon witherspoon their fifth overall selection like mike jackson played really well last year there is nothing mm-hmm. really saying that jackson shouldn't get the chance to to play there still and he was uh, uh highlighted by pete carroll after otas as the standout player so he's pushing right. it all the way obviously that Jackson was playing on the right side because Woolen had his knee cleaned up. They found mm-hmm. something with his uh, knee going on. But, like, that's a, like, really competitive spot. And then Witherspoon as well can play a bit in the slot. He can play a bit of dime. Um, they have a lot of options uh, in the sub packages with Julian Love's skill set. Diggs could even play in the slot. If Adams is healthy, he could play there. Is Kobe Bryant going to come back and get a second shot, given Carroll said he could be one of the best guys there? Uh, yeah. It would so, be interesting how that shakes out. Not to get back into like all the trade talk and stuff, but if assuming the corners make it through camp healthy and make it to week one healthy, could Mike Jackson be one of those guys that maybe helps you get something else that you need? Very possibly. And, and you know, to further onto that point, like Artie Burns is not old. He's fairly young, and the last football that he played where he was healthy, he's now a year removed from it, but like he was a good football player for Chicago, um, and he's always been talented. There's, if he's healthy, there's no reason why he couldn't be a contributor and make you feel like Michael Jackson is a little bit expendable. Um, yeah, cause, And they want to package him together for whatever. Because mm. um, from Jackson's perspective as well, he signed a tender – like he's getting paid nothing, and if he right. loses the job to Witherspoon, he's just going to end up in a position where, uh, you know, he has to, he has to just sign for right. uh, cents again next year and prove it yeah. to the team. Whereas right. if he gets he traded and he, he does lose the battle, but he gets traded, then at least he, you know, he's going to the team who wants him and might be able to battle earlier and prove it earlier, or even get a starting spot yeah. if there's injuries because he proved him. Like the the amount we spoke about him, which was very little down the stretch, is testament to how he did his job. Like he was very rarely beat deep. He had better games than Tariq Woolen down the stretch. Woolen had some rough moments. I know he's dealing with some things, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a real player. 
He's a real player. They and just there's an argument it. that, like, as we said in our Witherspoon video, Griff, like, Witherspoon in the slot means you can blitz him more. It's where his best instincts come when he's close to the line of scrimmage. And, like, in NFL hashes where they're tighter, it's harder to blitz a cornerback on the outside than it is a slot. Like, it's much easier to get a slot involved at the line of scrimmage and, and nearer to the ball. And I think mm -hmm. Witherspoon's best plays will still arrive there. So, you know, and Brian had his battles in his rookie year which any rookie would have but like i'm still not completely sold on him even though carol's got high expectations yeah 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 agreed but at the very least you have we'll call it interesting depth right with bryant with brown with burns so yeah if your your top two guys make it through healthy then maybe you know you can do something mm -hmm. there with jackson but um yeah that's gonna be an interesting battle to watch because it seems like at least you know a, whatever happens a, a good player is gonna end up not making the cut you know whether they're traded yeah or whatever so yeah yeah there you go any any positions which stand out to you ty um well obviously you know there's the concerning positions interior oh go on Go on. So, I mean, we can talk about those if you want to get sad again. Um, we have to stop inside backer, right? Because there's no competition. Like, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, you can say there is, but like, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, and, and then yeah. behind, I mean, Rattigan's had some moments in preseason third string football. <laughs> he also went to the army. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Listen, <laughs> we can yeah. salute, salute a good troop. But uh, hopefully he's not playing starting football at any point. He's also coming off like a ACL injury, right? Yeah, I mean, like... He can, I, I, I hope he can keep an NFL contract for himself. I mean, he's a he, special teamer. Yeah, he, we, can play, he can play special teams a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we should say he, about he Wagner... Like, on he, special teams. Wagner will be fine playing against, like, north-south run game. It's just every... And he's still pretty good at slipping... He can slip blocks, uh, but... It's just when it goes side to side, like this stuff schematically they can do to accommodate that, and then they'll. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he needs to be in the three four package, and then he can be like in the two four five nickel because that features two off ball linebackers on like first and ten shotgun of yeah. personnel, or or two four five. I mean, first and ten under center, or he he can he can play in that when they decide to play two four five against under center under center heavy teams, he can be in there because the run rate is so high. You can just dive the run and, you know, you're probably playing either cover three match where you really have the overhangs carry. So he doesn't have to worry about roboting stuff as much. But when you're playing the gun teams, gun 11, and you have to play an even front, he needs to not be on the field. It needs to be Brooks and Adams. Um, so they just well, need to break the well, sign well, and together. Brooks is a complete question mark. Right. That's the that's problem. That's awful because the they, signed, they, they, they signed two... They signed one, uh, one inside backer and one outside backer from the U. Is it the USFL? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically implying that why they sign an off ball, another off ball guy, if Brooks was like, he's probably going to start on pop. So. Well, but, but like even even the second and third string grit guys don't look great either, and they need to cycle guys in because someone has to play special teams. Someone because they haven't drafted a bloody inside backer for. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. a truly it's a numbers thing at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like you want guys in there to compete with Vi Jones and all that, so you're not just handing them a roster spot. Yeah, so. and like like with Bush, I mean, if they got their hands on him coming out of the draft, he could have been he he could be, could have been pretty interesting. But the ACL tear, I mean, it has I think it's hurt its change of direction because he was a maniac at Michigan. Yeah. I remember watching him; he was impressive. Um, yeah. a little undersized, but like he punched above his weight, but like, it's a little, it, it's, it's not quite there as much, but then at the same time, Pittsburgh, like they, they don't really ask their linebackers to do what Seattle does. So it's hard to evaluate in that sense. So, sure. I mean, maybe there's something there, uh, also but, another year removed from the injury, et cetera. Maybe true, yeah. true. Who knows? but I can cope into Wagner with the way Seattle runs the coverage. It's just, it's, uh, you know, 
we've 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 covered that ad nauseum, and and maybe they've run more nickel bear and and more fire zones, and Wagner's kind of the main blitzer in that look as well, and 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 he does kind of where if Adams isn't ready to go, he does kind of allow them to do kind of Adamsy things with Wagner uh, as a blitzer, like uh, in not the same speed, but he he can be that kind of fourth rusher in dime um, odd looks if they if they need that like a kind of spinner type thing, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and obviously he's a great leader and he knows what he's doing. But uh, yeah, anyway, I don't really see that tie though as a battle. I think it's sort of sadly. Yeah, it's, a, just, it's, yeah, it's not really a battle. It's just, you know, position groups. Um, Back into the receiving core after the top three guys. Um, I don't think that D. Eskridge is guaranteed a roster spot. I don't think he should be at the very least. Um, now they don't necessarily have like a bunch of interesting dudes there on the back end that I'm like, it's probably they're, Dariq they're really, Young and then yeah. that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, there's Dariq. I mean, Cody Thompson's been a training camp star for the last few years, but nothing's yeah. come of that. Um, I mean, Schneider has talked up Dariq Young twice, which basically tells me that was his pick. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, JSN. I mean he looks like a star he's featuring the most in their promo material uh he's yeah. already lit up um ota stuff and like i mean again griff and i break broke down his tape that's a lot to like there and it just makes it harder for eskridge because whereas young brings a different uh component to that where he's six three and he's like a big uh like they kind of used him almost as a, a a quasi tight end the way he was used like shifting down in line and uh or into a wing set and then blocking someone to block up duo they had like a cool plan to feature him a bit more as the season went on to uh utilize his blocking strengths as well like eskridge is too similar to jsn in that not in terms of their style necessarily but in terms of their usage and the stuff they will get now jsn can do a lot more but mm. he also does what eskridge does well um, see at the same time though the, the scheme kind of the scheme being what it is that kind of depending on how you look at it that can also benefit Eskridge the there being some overlap mm -hmm. because sure. then that might feel compelled to be like sure All right, the problem wanted... is there's Tyler Lockett as well yeah. yeah well I mean so the wide receiver four uh still gets x amount of snaps in the offense I think that I think that that probably benefits Eskridge because it'll be an afterthought in a way and his touches on a per touch basis can be efficient, like with the jet sweeps and stuff. You know, there there should be some yak opportunities for him, like catching a shallow or catching like a fin route from like, you know, the number one position, you know, um, or yeah. as in like the, the most exterior receiver. Drift, what's a fin a fin route? Uh, five yard in where it's like you're just like last in the progression. And Gino will get to that route though. Like, like who, who is that guy? Uh, reynolds for the rams yeah um i mean he had like 400 yards one year and he was their fourth target but like 400 yards is not a is not insignificant so that 400 yards is going to go to somebody or disperse to somebody i mean eskridge the one thing that does translate is his run after the catch whether that's on a sweep or actually catching the ball in space um so i mean he he, he could be a useful player but then again Derek young can do that as well right yeah so <clears throat> um it would be cool if it was if Eskridge could kind of lock down like okay he's firmly like the fourth best receiver on the team and he's used that way and performs that way and then young can continue to just kind of be who he is be intriguing be exciting the opportunities won't be there but be good with them as he gets them and then see if somebody like rises to the top like we would think cody thompson right provided that he stays healthy might be him but there might be some guy in camp who shines and he's like he bullied his way into the sixth receiver spot you know yeah, um, if there even is a six receiver, spot. right? Yeah, they yeah. might go. They might go five. And obviously, the tight ends uh, remain a strength for this this offense. I mean, they they haven't changed. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to go four tight ends for sure. Yeah, is M Mabry still a thing? Right. Yeah, Mabry's. Yeah, Mabry's and it, they, they feel pretty big about him. I think. And, and, and then so didn't uh, didn't they sign like a tight end as a priority UDFA? He has like a Lord of the Rings sounding name. <laughs> oh yeah i remember i, I don't remember, his name, but I remember yeah, having some, that um something like that yeah 
So I don't know. Maybe they like him. Uh, I don't know uh, enough yeah. about him. Um, yeah, receiver, receiver wise, like I know that they like the dude out of UCLA, Jake Bobo, but he also had an abysmal forty time. So I don't know if that's he even a four nine. He, went, he, he ran he, like a he, four nine. Yeah, he'll yeah. he'll catch some balls in the preseason, and everyone will be like, "Yeah, whoa!" And has to make the, the, the problem is that no X receiver that looks promising can make this team because of DK. Yeah. But but then like Z's and slots good because again they like interchangeability and overlap there. But X is like can't do anything with that because you can't move the X on the field, and no one's gonna bump DK off X ever. So yeah. there's just no point in having a DK mirror. You know, Ty, are you the would... uh, are you the K Johnson truth though? I was for a while, but then I then I saw him play at the NFL level. <laughs> you know, okay. I just yeah. I mean, like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I just didn't see the the route running ability that I thought was going to be there. Yeah, well, that's the thing with, like, a lot of these receivers, the transition to the NFL, like, it's just the, the amount of time, the space, the types of technique, everything is just so different. So, Griff, what is your position that uh, we've talked wide receiver, which is, like, interesting we talk inside backer which is scary griff well i think the the other exciting battles is going on the ins, the interior offensive line center you know we've got uh olu Olubatimi and then um as well as evan brown who they signed from detroit yep. and then right guard uh the incumbent phil haynes and anthony bradford um i lean i think i lean brown and haynes the two vets coward um yeah yeah scared yeah. to compete I, I i like the idea of sitting sitting uh in, intriguing mid-round offensive linemen and letting them like ruminate sure. on the bench and then 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 they slide into the starting rotation and they they're ready to go um plus like the green bay at, packers right like green bay like like the rams did for a few years then it kind of fell apart on them but like that model works, especially on interior O line. Um, a tackle, you just need to get talent. If if the guy doesn't show talent, then it's it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, but they don't have to worry about tackle, obviously, right? Between Lucas, yes, yeah, super cool. Like the Cross. the it look, like you said, Griff. It, it seems as though they're doing that on the interior. There's suddenly yeah. now it kind of sucks that this is a consecutive off season where they're replacing their starting center after Austin Blythe retired. But, you know, Brown, uh, he had 12 games at center, I think in Detroit starts in 2021. They just liked Frank Ragnall more, but like Brown was a solid enough player, but one year, $2 million, that's hardly, or 2.25 million. That's hardly like a massive investment yeah. in him, is it? It's, uh, it's very much uh, if Olu Oluwatimi wants to take that job, uh, a fifth round pick, then go for it. And he brings longer arms. Uh, he brings a lot to it. And and also SIS had him as their total points rating per play leader among all of the draft eligible centers. So advanced analytics are in his favor too. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be yeah. a great competition. And I think you know in OTAs they were mixing Olu in with the ones. So I think we're going to see preseason games where Olu's with the first team. Now Gino might not be at quarterback, but I do think he's going to get a shot True. with the ones. So yeah. unless it's already over, but yeah, 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 there's I'm no excited rush. for it. I, I embrace. Said there's no rush. Yeah, yeah, I embrace either. Then at guard, what what do you got? What are your guys' thoughts between Haynes and Bradford? I think you got to give Haynes a shot, <laughs> like at least to yeah. start the year. You know, you 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 invested a decent chunk of money into him, and he's shown some decent things in his limited time playing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, oh, we'll, see how, we'll see how it goes in the preseason. But yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I, I I overlooked that. I I um, he was really solid, and. Yeah, he, he definitely deserves the position, and they've invested. You know, is a bit more there. Yeah, with him, he's uh, he's twenty seven, and he's accrued enough snaps where 
he should be hitting his peak, whatever that yes. is. Yeah. They, they Which is the whole process, right? Like the, that mid-round yeah. pick, you have a little yeah. experience. He had a tough injury to start, didn't he? He had a hip thing. But like, mm -hmm. then you have a few snaps in games. You, he has you, prepared, So Yeah, they prepared him for it with the kind of uh, bit part role with uh, Gabe Jackson. And now it's your time. Like that's the model which we're talking about when we say about these mid-round picks you get uh, developed, nurtured into the the starting mm -hmm. role. And like you said, Griff, 27, that should be the peak. And uh, very interesting. Whereas Bradford has had one year as a starter at LSU. Like, I know, um, like, Brandon Thorne really liked Bradford. Uh, if you He's don't know really Brandon talented. Thorne, he should. Uh, great offensive line analyst. But, uh, yeah, he, he's really talented. He's just... Uh, inexperienced and there will be NFL growing pains. You'd think like it would be remarkable if there wasn't. So this to me seems like a much more obvious cut and dry thing, not to the fault of Bradford and not uh, massively bigging up Haynes. I think it's just feels a bit more set. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, if you're the Seahawks, you know him, you made this commitment to him. Like clearly you have confidence that he can play. So yeah at the very least start the year with him and then you know if you're wrong then you have a fallback pretty mm -hmm. good fallback option too at that so agreed ideally i would i would like to just have only one rookie start i, I don't That's want the both, other thing. both spots both spots right. being a rookie because even if a guy wins a camp battle rookies are still prone to having rookie moments or stretches there's like no way around that so i i i don't know i'd rather have because they have such a cool thing brewing. They've got three legit guys on the line right now. So it'd be nice if they'd have, you know, one one vet. Or if you're going to have a rookie, let the other guy be be the vet. Right, and, and Griff, like, there's a continuity factor as well, isn't there? Because Haynes actually has played in this line. Yeah. He's, he was yeah. a part-time starter. So, like, four out of five guys returning rather than, f you know, three out of five. I mean, it's obvious. But I'd be... Yeah. If three out of five are back and it's two rookies in there, either a bad injuries happen and hopefully that does not happen, or these rookies are incredible. So yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's all right, like and that. then the, the other variable with regarding the the rookie conversation, especially at center, is that Gino can help a rookie center out with pre-snap communication and everything because Gino handles so much, and the coaches have talked about how is such command pre-snap and they trust him to make the checks and stuff that a center could. So if they just like Olu's blocking more than Brown and they think, well, Gino can handle a good chunk of the communication, then, you know, go for it. And then the other thing, like, like one thing that stood out with Olu is that he was really disciplined on twists and stunts and stuff, staying locked with locked and leveled with his guard, not getting twisted or turned too much. Um, so that's kind of like one of the other main things like you can be a good one-on-one -on -one blocker but then totally lose it when it comes to twists like that was ethan Posick's problem he was actually became a good one-on-one -on -one blocker in isolation but he, he still had issues on um on stunts and stuff so like olu doesn't have that issue so i don't know they can play around absolutely so uh, a fun that's the position i think i'm going to be trying to look at the most center obviously i'll be paying attention to the witherspoon and the receivers but center is a big one now my other thing is outside linebacker number two so on the surface you'd think daryl taylor is a pretty obvious number two outside backer right he had nine and a half sacks which is the same as nuosu who just got uh, extended uh he's not in a contract year this year uh because of how he didn't gain a year of his contract when he was going through his injury uh, recovery in the first year. So he, he's still got two years left until he hits uh, payday. But he is not as an obvious uh, a starter, at least, uh, as you might think, because last year they basically replaced him as a starter with Daryl Johnson signed off the street, then a 35-year-old Bruce Irvin, then Boye Maffe eating into those snaps. But... Like Taylor played less than uh, where is it? Taylor played less than sixty percent or less of the snaps in eleven of his fifteen games, uh, and fifty percent or less of the snaps in nine of his fifteen games. So he didn't play as often as you'd think. He was basically a situational pass rusher, where ultimately against run heavy teams they barely played him. Like there was a three game stretch where he played. 31% of the snaps in week 13 at the Rams, 17% of snaps in week 14 versus the Panthers, and 
27% of the snaps in week 15 versus the 49ers. Like, there's a case where uh, Mafe's improved in his second year. I know we, we'd be expecting, they, they will be expecting big things from him to put it all together. And then also, Derek Hall, he's a guy whose tape was full of very physical edge-setting ability and ability to play against the run. So, I mean, Ty, am I, am I being unfair on Taylor Hill or is this actually like a sneaky kind of area that Taylor can... Because I think the coaching staff are pissed at him. Let's read it in between the lines. But, like, the fact that yeah. he's playing, i just dipped. Yeah, no, I think there's some legitimate pressure there. And now you have you have talent. You have talent behind him now that can really, really push him. It's not you know, old ass Bruce Irvin and Daryl Johnson anymore. It's Derek Hall and it's Boye Mafe and like there's yeah, so he's that's gonna that he's probably like top three guys that I'm gonna be watching very closely this preseason because it's gonna be a big preseason and, and season overall for him. Um because like I don't think there's any threat of him getting cut or anything like that, but terms of just getting play playing time and consistent playing time which he's gonna need there's there's some guys that are gonna be challenging for that so yeah i don't know yeah. it's uh it's he's in a dangerous spot right now griff you're the edge guy is taylor ever gonna be able to to be relied on as a run defender or is this just who he is like a a glitzy partial specialist he's got a very good get off and it will get you sacks when you're in a part clear passing down because of that get off and the ghost move. I don't know. It's 2021. We didn't have any issues with Daryl Taylor's run defense, and he played a lot of three, four outside linebacker in 2021. I don't know what happened in 2022. It's just a matter of like, does his play strength come back? He supposedly had a groin thing that he played through last year, but like it wasn't on the injury reports. No, he he missed a game. So like. Yeah, he, that's right. He missed he, the game. He, he 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 left the game after five snaps, missed the game, came back and was seemingly okay. But like, mm. I and, think, and, and like his explosiveness would show up, but then this like that seemed to come back uh, when he was moving forward. But like the anchor, not like he had a huge anchor, but like every player has an anchor of some kind. It just like he was, uh, like paper light, paper thin. Um when he needed to hold up against the run. So, I mean, maybe he, he needs to adopt a more, you know, shot takers mindset. He needs to be more creative. Um, but I mean, if, if any semblance of play strength comes back, it should be him. Um, you like to have the best pass rusher out there and pre presently right now, he's definitely the best pass rusher of the other three sure. after Nwosu. Yeah. Yeah. But Nwosu's still a guy who, I mean, it's not to discount what he did, but a lot of his best pass rushes came like running games or, you know, you're scheming him up into stuff. Whereas Taylor just has that ability to go and and right. that's yeah. rare. And that's why even when he was coming back from a pretty severe broken leg and, and uh, there was some oddness with like, didn't they have to redo the surgery or something? They had to try a different thing to what I think had been the remedy. I can't quite remember, but like yeah, there's a reason the, why they still the took him as high yeah. as they did when, when that happened. Sorry. What was that tie? Yeah, he had the rod in his leg. Yeah, and all that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, Griff, I, I like. I totally agree with you. Though, just real quick, like I totally agree with you about the the raw talent. I think from that perspective, he he's the most talented dude. But again, it's is he putting the work in? Like, because that seems to be kind of an issue there. With again, reading between the lines, like Maddie mentioned, and uh, yeah, and again, you just you have real actual young talent now behind him and this is a guy at the start of the year tied to your point uh, clint hurt said he can be as good as he wants to be and he clearly yeah. didn't actually get to be like what they expected from him and maybe they'll try a slightly different approach of how they coach him maybe they tried that during the season but uh Griff, I find it interesting how you mentioned 2021 and how that wasn't an issue, the edge setting there. And that kind of reminds me of the the context of 2022 season and in moving to a 3-4, one, they asked the outside backers to to play slightly different techniques at times, like uh, against the run, like in the 3-4 looks, like spill the ball a bit more and, and play a bit heavier on blocks because they're playing more too high stuff. Maybe that doesn't suit Taylor's game. But then the other factor is, obviously, when you move to a 3-4, you have um, the Sam outside linebacker and then you have a Will outside linebacker. 
And then the two off-ball inside backers are the Mike and the Jack. Uh, obviously, in the past, Seattle's two edge players were called a Leo and a... So, I'm almost I'm almost getting into my, my defense. Uh, a Leo and a... They just call it... Five seven. Tech, but also a oh, Sam. Oh, 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 the ed- yeah. actual edge, yeah. But, as, but, but my point being, in the 2021 defense, Dow Taylor was a Leo uh, or a Sam. The point being... Whenever he was those two guys, he had a big defensive lineman to his inside gap. He was never to the bubble. He was never to a B-gap bubble. Now, in the nickel fronts this year, he would have been to a B-gap bubble because Seattle just plays left and right when they're in nickel with their edges, as far as we can tell. They may have tried to change it up a bit during the season when it started going quite badly. But in the main, the nickel front, they just play left and right, and then the three-tech goes to the tight end, and or the strength, and the two-eye goes away, meaning Taylor would have been more to the B-gap bubble, he'd have had less protection from the guy inside of him, he'd have been one-on-one less often. Again, not really suiting his game. So I think scheme can come into it a tiny bit, along with Griff, you mentioned the groin injury, Ty, you mentioned there might be something going on behind the scenes, there might be an effort concern, Uh, you know, I think it's a bit weird that it dipped that much still, but uh, yeah. yeah, the scheme is definitely a, a contextual factor. Look at it; everyone played crap up front, other than uh, and Taylor had nine and a half sacks, other than Nwosu, who who I think yeah. was, was and, and maybe that's a bit overly reductive to say they played crap. I think it was more the uh, the you know we've we have talked about the scheme. There, there was a lot to unpack. Hopefully, Seattle gets it right uh, this next year. If you are going to the August tenth mock game, uh, you, you know you know where we're at. If you you know, you you know what to do. You know, you know what to do. Y'all you know, know to do. You, you did it last year. You know, y'all what to know do. the y'all know the assignment. Uh, yeah. You know what's we, funny um... is that, about that as well. Like we watched the preseason, we we're like, what on earth is this run defense? This doesn't make sense. Even in the mock game, we're like, even in the mock game, it was all BS. You know, it was they're like, not, they're just being vanilla. Yeah, so they... they're being vanilla. It's fine. Don't panic. They're not. They're not fire zoning because they're just being vanilla. That they're running this front in this situation because they want to get a good look in at how it looks. They're yeah. not. They're not actually gonna run and two four fronts at this sure rate. Copy paste. That was the whole yeah. your like game plan. And yeah. pr- pro oh, tip for any uh, soldiers out there: uh, maybe block the uh, at Lumen Field account on uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. it's called now. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and block uh, the Seahawks just, account. Block Seahawks PR if you're going to be posting video. Yeah, my my DMs are open. Uh, also, <laughs> if you're a training camp and you have binoculars, you know, you if you have a really wide angle, if you've got a drone, no, don't do the drone. Don't do the drone. Don't do the drone. Don't, don't do, do the drone. drone. We, that's, we that's did. We did not recommend the drone. No, it was no, a joke. Just, we were. Was, we were. Yeah, it was a joke. We were trolling. We were trolling. Uh, we were, this we're is just, just a prank. This is, this is this is a this was a social experiment. Yeah. But this is basically yeah. our Super Bowl. It's my Super Bowl because we can we can scroll through all the photos. We can zoom in. We've already seen evidence that uh, uh, Cameron Young is using a power step technique as a shaded nose tackle rather than playing with two eye <laughs> nose tackle spot, which suggests that Seattle's going to run more under fronts and maybe even more bare fronts and more stuff like 2020, 2021 rather than 2022. So maybe the Seahawks defense is saved. Our friend Maddie is very sick. So who uh-huh. do you think yeah, is going I'm, to be uh, coming into the camp in the best shape of their life? Oh, Ty. Wow. That's a these question. Are the, these are hard-hitting questions. Uh, you know uh, what? Like, who does that even fit? Like, who well, would even say that? Griff, last year, I think Pete Carroll impressed year. us because his skin care looked very good. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, no, he was, he was mm. heavy with the retinol. Yeah, he was glistening. <laughs> um, no, I yeah, mean, whatever true. his skincare routine is, good for him. Right. Um, yep. No, it is. We, it we is love funny. healthy skin out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we've lost Travis Homer, who was always like. Mm. No, he actually he'd come in like with another like ten pounds of muscle packed on. Yeah, every just straight muscle. Um, like he should be playing linebacker for the Seahawks right now. Uh, <laughs> um, if not edge rusher, shoot. All right, so I feel like only Bobby or Quandre. Does that make sense to even say maybe Disley? I Ooh. think, I think it's going to be D. Eskridge. Oh, okay. In terms of like guys that are hyped up a lot in press conferences, etc., 
I think he'll, we're gonna he'll, hear. He'll we'll, we'll definitely get the best he's ever been. Yeah, because like he's been hurt. He's been yeah. hurt. Like, which is wasn't he? Was it? What is it? What isn't he hurt last year too? Like coming he into started, camp, he started off hurt. Yeah, like, like during like OTAs, they're saying oh, it looks so impressive, and then he starts camp with a soft tissue injury. He's right. also the type of player who like when it's on air, which is when they show the media like what mm. they're allowed to see. Like mm. they're just installing on air. When he runs a jet sweep, it will look really impressive. So they'll be like, "Whoa, D. Eskridge is so yeah. fast!" Yeah, we're gonna wow. get a we're gonna get a Bob Condota tweet or a Greg Bell tweet okay. or something like that of a yeah. know, video yeah. of yeah Eskridge like running a jet sweep or catching yeah. passes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, Absolutely. that's if tweets even exist. They're they're sheets now. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh, okay. Brother. Well, there you have it. That is Seahawks training camp. We will be back. Uh, Griff and I still have to do our Mike Morris, Cameron Young episode. We've been watching the tape for that. Mm-hmm. Please do subscribe to the, the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching, download the podcast, five star reviews. They do really help. Follow Ty at Dane Gunzler's. Follow Griff at C Mike Spinmu. Follow me at Matty F Brown. And follow the pod at Seattle Overload. We'll be doing a more regular schedule. Uh, I'm going to be ramping things up a lot. So, yeah. Substack, Matty. Matty, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. Greg, I have Maddie a Substack. Substack. It's called Seahawks on Tape. Uh, if mm. you just subscribe, it's free to subscribe. The mm. paid subscribers, I appreciate a lot as well uh and they get a little bonus every now and again to say thank you but you don't don't feel like you have to pay a little more subscribe for free and uh you will get seahawks analysis including top four seahawks training camp battles tie tie and griff wrote it for me so just now don't feel like you have to pay feel like you get to pay okay it's yeah you have the opportunity to we uh, also rich, we uh, also have jar. we also have a tip jar in the description of this video. Do it. Do yeah. It Do it now. True. And Give and also thank you everyone for for who has paid and, and like I said you don't have to pay. Like we appreciate you just like the video. That's what you have to do. Like the video. It's free and subscribe. And retweet and tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your family, tell your dog, tell your cat, tell your pet turtle. Yeah, go watch uh, Barbie. Go watch Barbie. Go watch Oppenheimer. Go watch the next episode of Seattle Overload. Yep. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.